How to Travel When You're Gluten-Free with Lynn Smargis. This is episode 139 on the Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Alternative Health Tools. This is Kim Shea, your co-host on this side of the pond. It is Friday, April 30th, 2021. And today I have the opportunity and the privilege of speaking with Eliquity. And she is going to talk to us about gluten-free travel. And I think that's really relevant right now because people are going to be starting to travel soon. Things are opening back up. People are getting excited to get out there and explore the world. If you're gluten-free, that can represent a lot of challenges for you. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Kim. I'm super excited to chat about gluten-free travel, especially because we're about to get into a season of travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be revved up, I'm sure. So so are you, do you have gluten-free issues yourself or is it just your passion? Yeah, no, so um, I'm celiac. My younger daughter is celiac. My older daughter is not. And hopefully, hopefully she'll stay that way. But you can actually uh, become celiac at any point in your life, but it's kind of like knock on wood. Hopefully my older daughter will miss it. So yeah, so when, especially when my daughter and I travel, we, but we, we both have to be really careful with um, making sure that we don't get gluten in our diet. And are you sensitive enough, like, for example, I was just making Play-Doh for a birthday party tomorrow and I saw they have gluten-free recipes for Play-Doh. Does it affect you if you even touch it or anything like that? Yeah, actually, um, one of my, one of my, uh, when I, the hairdresser I used to go to, the hair color she would use apparently had gluten in it because every time she would color my hair, my scalp would like burn an wow. itch for days. And then I realized it has to be the hair color she's using. Um, and then sometimes when I go to the hair salon, I'll just bring my own shampoo and conditioner. So I know there's, there's, cause I know the one I have is gluten-free, but yeah, it's in all sorts of cosmetics and huh. stuff. And so I have to be really careful with, um, like what I buy is specifically, even if I'm putting it on my skin, cause even if it's on my skin, it'll definitely bother me. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. So this is going to be really helpful to understand for those of us who aren't, who are traveling with people or just to be more aware. So tell me a little bit more about your background. Where, where do you come from? What's your what's your interest and how'd you get into doing a podcast, which by the way is called travelglutenfreepodcast.com. I've always been into like alternative modes of health. Um, and I do use like regular doctors, but ever, especially since my kids were little, we don't like if they were sick, we'd always try like alternative stuff first. And so um, I've always been into like acupuncture and massage therapy and trying to heal naturally before we like, you know, jump into like the regular, regular doctor stuff. And so my, my career wasn't in alternative health, although I did have a health food store years ago. I was a teacher for many years and I taught science and coding. But then um, when I found out I couldn't eat gluten six years ago and I loved to travel and I realized like it was really, really hard to travel not eating gluten because it's in everything. Um, plus a lot, what a lot of people don't realize is, is when you have celiac disease, it's much different than just being gluten intolerant. So gluten intolerant just means like you eat it and it like doesn't sit well with you, but with celiac, it's an autoimmune disease. So that means if you eat any amount of gluten, even if it's like 
a bite of something, your body ends up attacking itself and you end up being very, very sick from anywhere from like three to seven days. So it can really easily completely wipe out the vacation. And of course, nobody wants to be sick on vacation. That's like the last place you want to be sick. Um, And when I realized when I was gluten-free, I started looking around on the internet for resources on like how to travel gluten-free and Nobody really told you how to travel. Like there was a bunch of articles on like, you know, these restaurants are great in Chicago or like these are some gluten-free bakeries in New York City. But it's like, well, if I'm not going to these places, it doesn't tell me how to be gluten-free. And so that's why when I decided to do my podcast to teach people like the types of questions you want to ask restaurants and like what tools are useful to find safe gluten-free restaurants when you're out. Because there's a difference between just being gluten-free and be and having just and having celiac disease because even if like um, I go to a restaurant and there's a person like the chef in the back uses a knife to cut regular bread if he uses that same knife to cut my bread I can get sick so the cross contamination factor is really high and so there's a lot of like different levels to being gluten free and so having celiac disease is one of the ones where you have to be like really careful and very strict about like like eating out especially but just your diet in general. So how do you know whether you have celiacs or just a gluten intolerance? Is there a test for it? Yeah. So there's actually a really simple blood test that you can get for it. Um, when you are, if you're doing the blood test, you have to be eating gluten at the time. So it can detect if you have celiac disease. And then if you test positive on the blood test, then you go in, um, I think it's called an endoscopy where they basically like put a scope down your throat and they look at your small intestine because if you have celiac disease, there's little hairs in your small intestine that absorb your like vitamins and minerals. And with celiac disease, your body attacks the small intestine and these little villi or these little hairs that absorb nutrients. So one of the very common symptoms of celiac disease is being malnourished or underweight because if you have celiac disease and you're eating gluten, you're killing all the villi that absorb your nutrients in your small intestine. So you basically have no way to absorb nutrients and you just start like being um, malnourished, even if you're eating, because you're not absorbing any of the nutrients you're eating. Um, And so that's one of the symptoms, like there's lots of digestive symptoms like gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, like memory fog, depression, um, because there's a lot of also like if you have a mental health issue and you are celiac and you don't know it and you keep eating like gluten, um, it can make your mental health condition worse because a lot of your neural tissue is found in your digestive tract. And so that's why a lot of times um, if people have like depression, like I suffer from depression. And so I know like if I'm eating really bad, my depression can get worse because your digestive system is so connected to your mood and your um, your mental health well-being. So if you eat really healthy, you have, you can really resolve a lot of different um, kind of mental health things if you are being careful with what you eat. And so that's another whole side of having celiac disease is like you're more dependent to depression than other things because all of that is part of your digestive tract. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And when you talk about the, the, the neurological tissue in your um, intestines, I just heard someone say that intestines are considered the second brain of the body. There's a lot going on in there. And there's, I think that he said that the, the tissue that's exposed or the tissue that exists in the intestines is a, approximately the square footage of a tennis court. It's enormous. It's all packed in there and there's a lot going on in there. So if you damage it, if you are not eating properly because you don't know that you have celiacs and you're killing off the villi, then when you change your diet, do those come back? Like, is there, is there a way to turn that around? 
Yeah. So the, because there's no, um, there's no quote unquote, like cure for celiac disease. So you need to be like really strict about your diet. Cause what happens is like people would be diagnosed with celiac disease and they're like, Oh, I have a cheat day once a week. It's like, well, if you have a cheat day once a week, like you're every time you cheat, it's like compounded on each other. And then it takes weeks for your body to recover from that one cheating thing, even if it's like a piece of regular bread. And so what some people don't realize I have celiac disease is like, you can't have cheat days. Like you have to be completely gluten-free because every time you, even even if you get cross-contaminated with, with gluten, you can have very serious repercussive side effects that last for weeks. And if you... And, and as you probably know, like if you keep damaging your organ over and over again, that sets you up for cancer. And actually my, my dad, who was never diagnosed with celiac disease, but I'm 99% sure he had it because he was textbook celiac. He passed away from adenocarcinoma, which is small intestinal cancer. And that's the cancer that you get if you have celiac disease and you don't you know, modify your diet, but like nobody tested for celiac disease back in the eighties. And so I'm pretty like 99% sure he had it because there's a huge genetic component to it. And my daughter has it and I have it. And so we had to get a pass from somebody, but, um, and I I can tell you from firsthand experience from taking care of him, adenocarcinoma is definitely not something you want to pass away from because you literally like your small intestine, but small intestine was just like, like inundated with tumors to the point where like he couldn't absorb, absorb anything. And they gave him six months to live. He lived for three years, but he literally starved to death oh. for the last three years of his life. So yeah, it's pretty, if you have celiac disease, you definitely need to stick to your diet because that is one of the outcomes. That's one of the cancers you can get if you don't stick to your diet, if you have celiac disease. And that's one of the reasons why I do travel gluten-free because it's so easy to cheat, right? Like it's so easy to be like, oh, I want that regular croissant and and eat it. But like what people don't realize is how much damage you're really doing to your body. And, and you don't see it because it's on the inside, but you can really put, set yourself up for some really dangerous life-threatening diseases if you have celiac disease and you don't follow your diet. So I feel like by doing travel gluten-free in my podcast and, and telling people like how you can still live your life and be gluten-free. You just have to be a little more prepared and know a little more things. It's it, Hopefully it'll be easier for other people to stick to their diet so they won't be sick. Yeah. And also I would think it would be a problem where you've got family, especially if you're traveling and you're in some place where there's some wonderful specialty there. Like, no, just, just try it because you we're here. Don't you want to have some? So I'm sure it's hard. You're fighting that. It's like someone who's trying to lose weight. Like, oh, just have one piece of cake. It's not going to kill you. <laughs> So, so this can really hurt yeah, you. It's yeah. so like these are really can kill you. Yeah. And I've heard stories from both sides. Like I'm really lucky because my husband is very supportive of like making sure that he makes stuff that's gluten-free. And like when we go out to eat, sometimes I'll forget to ask, like I'll tell them, but like sometimes I'll forget to ask specific questions and my husband will remember. So like, I'm really lucky because apparently not everybody's family is very on board with gluten-free diet, which is really sad because it's like, you wouldn't feed a, a Snickers bar to a diabetic, mm-hmm. right? Well, why would you ask a celiac person to eat gluten? Like it's the same thing. Like you're you're asking them to just really put their health under the bus. And so I'm really fortunate because in our family, everybody's really supportive, but I know that there's families out there that their family isn't as supportive of their diet, even though it's for a medical reason, like it's not for fat. So yeah, I think I is that is that what you're finding though, that there are some people that the pushback they're getting is from the perception that this is just a fad. This whole gluten-free thing is just something that, you know, the crazy people are doing nowadays. 
Yeah. And that's actually, I mentioned that in my book, The Guide to Traveling Gluten-Free, because when you order out at a restaurant, um, I've gotten this from waiters and waitresses before I tell them, like, I'm not doing this for like, for, it's not an optional for me. It's medical. And I tell them I have a gluten allergy, even though celiac disease isn't really an allergy, but like people don't always understand celiac disease. So I just tell them I have a gluten allergy and I tell them I do it for medical reasons because like a, one time I was in Canada and the server at the restaurant was like, oh yeah, someone told me they were gluten-free and then they ate the croutons on their salad. <laughs> and he's like, they were obviously not really gluten-free. I'm like, no, no, I'm really gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, that's rough. Well, so doing what you do, where you're, you're really taking precautions and you know everything you have to do, do you find that you have total relief? I actually don't. I just got a test done that said that um, I'm even though I don't eat gluten at all, I'm getting gluten from somewhere. And I'm not sure if it's like when I'm going out to eat, I'm getting gluten there or if it's like from a surface in the house because my husband's not gluten-free. He can eat everything. So we do have gluten in our house. But um, so now I'm like extra careful about wiping down the counters and stuff like that because I'm trying to figure out where the source of gluten is that it, that's coming from that I'm ingesting it somewhere. Um, but uh, my diet, as far as when I eat, like I definitely do not eat any gluten because it just makes me so, so like I can't work. I can't do oh, anything. Wow. I'm just in bed. That's rough. And I would think getting rid of gluten in the house is hard to do. I was just making sourdough bread last night and there's flour everywhere. It's just, it just gets everywhere. And I think that would be so hard to live like that where some people in the household aren't and some people are not. And then when you go on vacation, I mean, you really have very little control. So tell us some tips. How do you go about traveling and, and make sure that you're safe? Yeah. Well, if you are traveling and you're gluten-free um, or if you have any specialty diet, really, one of the things I always tell people, and I wrote about this in my book, is um, especially if you're, well, now people are getting back into flying. If you're flying, you want to bring snacks and food with you because all airlines are different as far as specialty diets. And um, I fly Delta a lot. And I know Delta will do like gluten-free or dairy-free, but they can't do both. So especially if you have like more than one dietary restriction, you want to bring food with you, especially if it's like a flight, you know, you're going to need to eat because airport food is really hard to find um, gluten-free. Although I do know at gate C-17 in Salt Lake City Airport, where I live, there's a Jersey Mike's and Jersey Mike's does, has a whole gluten-free protocol oh, really? and they make gluten-free subs, which I can eat. And I'm from Philly originally. So I really miss my hoagies. <laughs> so I can still eat them there. Um, but yeah, carrying your own food with you. And in my book, I talk to pe tell people like how you should pack your food when you're flying, because there's a specific way you want to pack your food. So you hopefully won't get tagged by TSA, but I still get tagged by TSA pretty often. But you want to carry your food with you. You want to um, make like make sure that you have apps like there's an app that's called Find Me Gluten Free, and that's there's a free version and a paid, and I get the paid version because I travel a lot. And um, there's certain tools you want to use to make sure that you keep yourself safe. Um, one of the things I do because um, like sometimes we'll stop at a place that is just has regular food, and my husband will eat, and I'll bring my food in, and then I'll eat with him at the table. But before I sit down at the table, even before COVID, I would always carry liquid hand sanitizer in a little spray bottle that was like a two ounce. So it would go through TSA and I'll spray the liquid hand sanitizer on the table and wipe it off and then spray the bench and wipe it off. And not because of germs, but because of gluten, because someone who's eating there and they have crumbs of gluten on the table. And then I put like, even if I put my wrapper on top of it, I might touch it and put it in my mouth and eat it by accident. So wiping down your table and your chair before you eat is like really important. 
important. Um, knowing what restaurants and what types of ethnicity foods are naturally gluten-free, like Indian is mostly gluten-free, Thai is mostly gluten-free. Um, but then there's like foods like German. German's usually not gluten-free. So you want to avoid like German places when you're going out to eat. Oh, also another good tip too is I love to drink protein drinks. And as far as like carrying food, if you're going on a red eye, a lot of times when you get to the location you're going, it's breakfast time, but a lot of the places aren't open and the places that are open are like they have bagels and pastries. So um, you can't trust to eat there, even if they might have a gluten-free offering because there's so much gluten in their kitchen. So what I like to do is just carry like a, um, a powder protein. And then I go over to the water fountain and I'll put water in my shaker bottle and then put the protein on top and then shake it up for like a, a healthy breakfast. But I don't have to worry about getting gluten because you definitely don't want to get gluten and get on an airplane. That is definitely not any fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's ha- that happened to me one time um, on a, on an international trip. I got gluten on the airplane. <laughs> oh, that sounds brutal. That's hard. Um, and so then you would, you must pack all your toiletries too, that you bring with you on a, on a trip. Yeah, there's so I pack all my toiletries because a lot of times, um, except at Disney, I know that I'm pretty sure I haven't ca- called them a double check, but the past couple times I've been to Disney, I've used their, their shampoo and conditioner and it didn't bother my skin. But a lot of times, like they don't have the ingredients listed because they're the sample sizes. And so I won't, like my husband will use that stuff or whoever I'm with can use that, but I use my own toiletries because um, I buy a lot of my stuff from what's called Lemongrass Spa and that's a line that everything is gluten free. So it's nice because then I can just go on the site and just order anything and I know it's not could have gluten in it because their entire line is gluten free. So, um, so that's really helpful. But yeah, I do bring all my own cosmetics and everything with me. Wow. So that's just a, you have to be more organized. It sounds like you just need to be really planning ahead. Yep. You definitely need to be more organized. You definitely have to do more planning ahead. Um, and, and especially like when you're traveling, like maybe looking at the restaurants that are there at the city you're going to, to see like what, what restaurants are going to be safe for you to eat at and what's not safe for you to eat at. And one of the things I also talk about in my book is if you are traveling, if you can find a dedicated gluten-free restaurant, which means there's no gluten in the restaurant whatsoever, like they didn't use gluten in any other foods, um, then that's your best bet when you're traveling because you know, like you're probably, you're not going to get sick because there's no gluten in that restaurant. And so um, finding dedicated gluten-free places is really easy and then, or is really better when you're traveling. And then also there are some cities that are more gluten-free friendly than others. So going to like gluten-free friendly cities is always a better bet if you have celiac disease than, than going to another city that might not have so much to offer to you. Okay. So how do you find out if a city is, is gluten-free? Is that just on the internet? You just do a search or is that in your book? So actually, yeah, I do list places in my book. So some of the gluten-free friendly cities um, that I've been to are Victoria, Canada. So if you love fried food, like I do, and if you have celiac disease, you can't eat anything that's not in a dedicated fryer. And so a dedicated fryer means there's no gluten in that fryer. It's only like potatoes or whatever. But a lot of places don't have dedicated fryers. And so when you find a place with a dedicated fryer, it's really exciting because as a celiac, you rarely get to eat fried food. Well, when I was in Victoria, I had fried food every day. Like I think I gained five pounds a week. (laughs) But it was such a treat. And so like Victoria, Canada, that's a great place to go if if you're gluten-free. Chicago, I haven't been there yet, but that's a great place to go if you're gluten-free, tons of gluten-free options there. New York, the city of New York is really great. 
Um, actually, Sedona in Arizona, they have this most amazing restaurant I just found. It's called Picasso's. So it's like Picasso's, but with Z's in it. And it's all Italian food and everything on their menu is gluten-free. And then they also make regular pizza. So it's, it's nice because it's kind of like a flip because most of the time they're like, oh, these things are gluten-free, but the rest of the menu has gluten in it. But on, at Picasso's, it's flipped. So at Picasso's, I got like tiramisu and raviolis and cannellini and like things I hadn't eaten at a oh, restaurant in six years. how nice. So that was amazing. Um, Austin, Texas is a really great place to eat if you're gluten-free. Um, there's a place called Maxwell's Max's Wine Dive in Austin that has the most amazing gluten-free fried chicken ever. And um, also Philadelphia is a great place to go if you uh, are gluten-free because there's a couple places there like Fox and Son in the Reading Terminal Market. She has everything gluten-free, like fried corn dogs, fried Oreos, funnel cake. It's the only place I know I can get funnel cake that's gluten-free. It's so amazing. I ate the whole funnel cake in one sitting. I'm like, I'm never going to eat all this. I ate the whole thing and went, and went back <laughs> and fell asleep for two hours at my hotel. It was so good. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. The, and a lot of places in California, because California is really progressive as far as food and stuff. Um, and so there's a lot of places on the coast of California, a lot of cities in California that you can eat at pretty well if you're gluten-free. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. You know so much so you can help people. Um, who do you have on your podcast usually? I mean, who, are, are you just talking yourself? So I do a combination of um, episodes on my podcast. So some of them are just me solo talking about like fun things to do in Moab because Moab is one of my favorite places and I only live four hours from it. So it's really nice. Some of them are I interview people for travel. Like I just interviewed John Beatham about um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So some of them are just places. And then I also have guests on like um, I had uh, Matt Betzel from Gluten-Free Street Gang on a while back. I had Gluten-Free Dave on a little while ago. I had uh, Coral from Gluten-Free with Coral. And then they come on and talk about like their experiences with like their places they like to travel and um, some of their favorite restaurants, either locally where they live or when they go to travel, like their favorite restaurants when they travel. That sounds like an interesting podcast. What do you do about like your hotel room or if you're on a cruise? What do you do about that? How do you, I mean, I'm sure now it's better because we're coming out of COVID and all these places have to be cleaned to the nth degree. But what, I mean, you wouldn't go in there and just trust that it was done to your specifications, would you? What do you have to do? So as far as accommodations go, a lot of times it's really popular for people that have celiac disease. So like, we, I like to pick a place that has like a mini kitchen or something in it. Um, so that I can like at least heat up stuff in a microwave, maybe make some boiling water, like and be able to like eat my own food. And so what I'll do typically is I'll like wipe things down and then I'll make sure everything is wrapped before it's in the refrigerator or whatever, so that it has another covering. Um, but most of the time, yeah, like as you said, with COVID, people have been extra cleaning. So I haven't been had to worry about it as much, which is nice. But yeah, it's really great to get a place that already has like a kitchen in it. And usually I'll wipe wash out the pans and stuff. Um just to make sure that they're clean. And then with a cruise, actually, it's really funny and it sounds very like the opposite of what you would expect, but cruises are one of the best things to do if you are gluten-free. And the reason is, is because cruises are very service-oriented and they want you to have, like they want you to remember a spectacular time on their cruise. And so because they're so service-oriented, if you have any kind of food dietary requirements, they're really good about like, coming out and um, we travel princess a lot because <laughs> this is really funny. You're going to laugh at this. The reason we travel princess a lot is because they have their own separate gluten-free kitchen, but that's not the actual reason. But in their own separate gluten-free kitchen, they make their own gluten-free 
bread, this is big, fluffy bread. And oh my gosh, it's such a treat to have bread and to have bread like every night that you eat. Yeah. It was like, I eat, ins- I eat insane amounts of bread on a princess cruise. <laughs> <laughs> like way more than I should eat for sure. But of course it's only like, you know, two weeks out of the year. So it's not like I do it all the time. Cruises are really great. Cause so at, on princess, what they do is they bring you the menu and a lot of other cruise lines will do this. They bring you the menu the night before and they show you what they're going to have the next day. And then you pick out what you want. And then they can usually like not everything, but a lot of times they can modify most things to make it gluten-free. And so what in my book, I talk about is like, if you're going on a cruise, you want to go to like the same restaurant every night. And then because the maitre d' there will know, like they remember that you're gluten-free. It's pretty incredible. Like I'll walk in they're like, oh, hi, you need the gluten-free menu, right? And I'm like, yes. And so it, so if you go to the same restaurant every night, then that maitre d' knows you. So there's less chance of them kind of messing up your, your food or whatever. Um, and I have never gotten sick on a cruise and I've done several of them. And so, and we cruise princess a lot because um, I really trust, I've done their kitchen tour. So I've seen their gluten-free space and everything. And I really trust the safety of their food. Um, I've done other ones like Norwegian and oh gosh, Holland, America. But um, the other thing I love about Princess too, is they have these really great desserts and they have a lot of gluten-free desserts. And so wow. <laughs> not only do I get to eat a lot of bread, I get to eat a lot of dessert on cruises, <laughs> which is super awesome. And, and the great thing is too, is like, if you're going on a cruise, you can like get up in the morning, eat breakfast, and then you can, because cruises, if you haven't gone on a cruise before, you're just basically eating almost the whole entire time. Yeah, I've never been. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. I'm, I, I love adventure travel, but then I do love a good cruise every once in a while because it's so easy and um, you get so spoiled on a cruise and you come back home and you're like, cook, what is that? Like, <laughs> I have to make my own food. Um, and it's great because all of the regular food is included in your price of your cruise. And so you can eat a big breakfast and then just take a couple snacks with you for the afternoon and then eat, come back and eat dinner. So you don't really have to worry about like, where am I going to get my food? So if you're at a port and you're not sure of the food, if, if you bring a snack or two with you, you can just use that to hold yourself over. So cruises are actually one of the best ways to travel, especially if you're new to being celiac or new to having a specialty food diet. So how about, I don't know if you're doing any international travel, but are there countries where it's harder than others? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So if you are celiac and you're gluten-free, and and like amazingly enough, and this is going to sound completely strange, Italy is one of the best places to go. Okay, that does surprise me. Yeah, and you would think that would be like the last place you want to go, but because Italy has the highest per capita incidence of celiac disease in the world, like really? if you are, yeah, if you aren't in a restaurant that offers gluten free, you're probably not going to have that big Italian family come and sit at your restaurant to eat. Um, and I'm Italian, so that's probably where I get my celiac disease genes from is my Italian side. And so, yeah, so Italy is a really great place to get gluten free. Um, France, no. <laughs> like I remember, I went to a major D and I told him I couldn't eat gluten. Like what, what on his menu was available for me. He looked at me, he's like, no, you cannot eat here. He's like, go to another restaurant. And I was like, dude, wow. Like French rudeness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So French people will look at you like you're insane because you don't want to eat gluten. Um, So I basically just picked stuff off the menu all week when I was in France. So one time um, that I knew was naturally gluten-free, but there's no guarantees. And so that was really scary. And I I got cross-contaminated a lot. My joints were hurting me the whole week. So France, no. Uh, London, absolutely. Like London has the most amazing um, gluten-free chains there, like Wagamama. And there's a couple other places I can't think of off the top of my head, but I have them in my book. And so London is amazing if you have um, celiac disease or if you're vegetarian or vegan, for sure. 
Germany, no. Um, there's, oh my gosh, there's so many much pizza in Germany. I don't know what it is with like p- pizza and like German people. <laughs> they love their pizza. So Germany, um, Austria, if you're in Vienna, you're okay. But outside of Vienna, it's really hard to get like a safe gluten-free food. Mexico was actually really good about gluten-free because Mexican food generally isn't like highly glutened. Um, and, and a lot of people in Mexico do speak English in the tourism industry. So it was pretty easy to get safe food in Mexico. And Canada, um, as I say, Victoria, Montreal is really great for gluten-free food. And there's also a couple other, um, I believe Toronto is really good for gluten-free as well in Canada. So Canada has quite a few cities. And, and the general rule of thumb that I tell people in my book is that the closer you are to a big urban city, the more chance you have of finding safe food that's gluten-free. Like for example, like I live in Utah and if you travel to any of the national parks in Utah, you're in the middle of nowhere. So the chances of you getting safe gluten-free food are pretty much slim and none, which is why anytime I ever trip in Utah, I always pack like food with me. Um, so that's the general rule of thumb when you're trying to find gluten-free food is the more closer you are to a densely populated city, the better chance you have of finding safe food. Okay. That's good. That's good to know. I'm I, I'm not much of a traveler, nothing compared to you, that's for sure. But I know I w- when I graduated from high school, so this was a few years ago, my dad took me to... Uh, Only two or three. Just all, uh, <laughs> took me to Ireland and he had multiple sclerosis and that was rough. They were not prepared there for disabilities at all or people who just had trouble walking, handrails. I mean, it was just, it was a long trip. It was really a long trip. So I was really surprised at how um, unaware or unconcerned, I'm not sure what it was, but it just, there was, inaccessible. Just, there was just nothing there. It was completely inaccessible. It was really, really a challenge. So, and we even at the time had gone over to London and London was brutal because the trains were down, they were on strike. And so it was just brutal. It was rough. It was a really rough trip. So, I mean, I can just imagine for you or for anybody with celiac, you're trying to go around and have a good time. And if you can't find what you want, you don't know even what all the, where all the places it is are located or how you're going to get your food. I mean, it's it's just such a drain to go on a trip and have it not go well because of a health issue. It can really just take all the fun out of traveling. Yeah. One of the things you really have to be mentally prepared for on a trip, because a lot of people like associate like travel and good food, right? That's pretty much, they go hand in hand. But like one of the things I always go, like, especially if I'm going to a new place I've never been before, um, I always just go in there not expecting to find gluten-free food. And then when I do, I'm really excited. So, so if you don't, if you're, if you have select disease or you're on a specialty diet, like not having high expectations of finding amazing food is just a really good mindset to have. Because if you were like, Oh, I can't wait to go and eat and blah, 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 unless you're going to a cruise, you're just, you're just setting yourself up for like so much disappointment and, and your, your vacation experience isn't going to be as good. So just keeping that in mind when you go and travel and, um, and I'm okay. Like there's been times where like we, had to eat at a fast food place. And I, like I said before, I bring my food in, my husband just orders fast food and, and like, I'm okay with that. Like you can't be, you can't have celiac disease and then be like, well, you can't eat gluten too. It's like, (laughs) it's just not fair to the other people. And, and I know my husband feels bad. And sometimes other people, like my friends, if they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm eating this, but I'm like, no, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to eat it. Like it doesn't really bother me. And I can get like gluten-free desserts at home or at different mm-hmm. restaurants I know of. And so it's not like I can't get gluten-free desserts. It's just that it's harder for me to get them. But I mean, 
I've had, I've had it for six years now. Like I know what to expect and what not to expect. And so I just don't have that expectation. So that makes my whole trip a lot better. Do you bake for yourself at home so that you can have desserts at home that are gluten-free? Yeah. Yeah. I actually was a huge baker before I was gluten-free and I'm still, yeah, I'm still a huge baker. Um, it's just now I have like 13 different kinds of flour in my pantry. So anywhere from like tiger nut to rice flour, to tapioca flour, to potato flour. Um, there's so many different kinds of gluten-free flour you can use. It's incredible. And because it doesn't have the stickiness from gluten, you have to put like more gum or a different additive in it. So it'll stay, um, or like use eggs to make it rise because it doesn't rise the same. And then in addition to all that, I live at 7,000 feet. So the altitude is also an issue. And then things dry out really easy because we live in a semi-arid climate. <laughs> so I have a few challenges when we're baking. They don't always come out good. But I, one of the things I've learned recently is to do a test cookie or a test whatever to see how it rises mm. to make sure it, it's working because the chemistry with gluten-free food is definitely a little more challenging. Okay. Huh, sounds like you should have another podcast or another book, you know, The Challenged Baker, just because... <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, we do sometimes, we will experiment with baking food for friends that are coming over and they, they have celiac or they just have a gluten intolerance. And so we'll try, we'll try to come up with something, a dessert for them. And we've, we've turned out some really yummy stuff. I mean, it's come a long way from what it used to be. If you, if you couldn't tolerate gluten, there just, there wasn't as much available to you, but now there are so many uh, ways that you can make things. There's so many flowers available that never used to be available. So I guess it's a good time. <laughs> if you're going to have celiac, it's a good time because you have many more options. That's so nice. You can bake because if you couldn't bake too, you just have to wait for every time you're on a princess cruise to get your dessert. <laughs> or the other, I mean, you can go out. There's a, there's like different gluten-free desserts out there you can buy. Um, and there's, oh, there's, there's a difference between like certified gluten-free and gluten-free. So certified gluten-free means it's safe for celiacs to eat. And if it just says gluten-free, I always still read the ingredients anyway, because sometimes you'll get a product that says gluten-free and on the back it says it has wheat in it. And in the U.S. it can take up to six months to a year to pull that off the shelf, even though like you can, so even if it says gluten-free, I always read the ingredients. But um, yeah, I mean, these flowers were, were always available, but like they were, they definitely are more expensive because they're not produced in mass like wheat is, but they, they have, it gives you like a, actually a bigger taste profile. So you get different ex, um, experiences with like tastes and textures when you expand off of gluten flours and go into the gluten-free stuff. And, and it's pretty cool. Like some of them were really, really great. And I made a lot of desserts um, and had people over like pre-COVID when we could have people over our house that were gluten-free that people ate them. They're like, if you didn't tell me this was gluten-free, I would have had no idea. And so it's just using a different flour. So it's not like, I mean, everybody knows potatoes, right? So if you use potato flour in something, it's not like a strange thing. And, and, um, and gluten-free food does typically have a, a thing, a stigmatism where it's like, doesn't taste good. But one of the things I did notice is that restaurants that specialize in gluten-free foods generally have chefs who are more experienced in cooking. And so they make better food. And so if you go to a restaurant that does have like, that does specialize in being gluten-free, chances are you're going to get a really, really good meal. Like all of my friends I brought to different restaurants, like even locally where I live that specialize in gluten-free, they're like, wow, this restaurant's really great. I'm like, yeah, you, you have to be good to know how to not cook with gluten. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, that, that, that does make sense because um, just you're just dealing with so many different um, flowers, it sounds like, and then just the just the aspects of how it's going to rise. And it, that's interesting. It's very interesting. So you said you look at the labels, you're reading labels, which I'm guessing a lot of see like people do, but like on cosmetics and things like that, what are you looking for there? Or how do you know if the products that you're using 
I mean, like, it's not in toothpaste, is it? Yeah, so you can find gluten in toothpaste too. Really? Actually, one of one of the one of my other gluten free influencer friends, her name is Taryn, and she lives. Uh, I can't remember it's Montreal, Toronto, in Canada, um, but she has my celiac life, and she realized that after she went gluten free, and when she found out she was celiac, she's still getting symptoms, and she couldn't figure out what it was. And then she read the ingredients on her toothpaste, and there was wheat in her toothpaste because wheat is used as a filler and a thickener for so many things. So like. The dangerous part of eating out or eating gluten-free is like if you go to order a steak, you can't trust that that steak is gluten-free because if the marinade they used in it has gluten or the sauce they put on it is gluten has gluten in it, you can get sick. And so um, you can't ever assume that anything is gluten-free unless it's like a banana that you pick up in the produce stand or something like that. And then, um, yeah, you just, you just have to be really careful with reading ingredients. But one of the ingredients that's really common that has made like a comeback, and I'm sure you probably remember this, um, growing up in the 70s, like my mom would comb beer through my hair because beer was like, you know, had barley in it and barley has B vitamins and B vitamins are good for your hair. And so now there's this whole comeback with like beer themed like cosmetics and all of those are off the table if you have celiac disease because barley has gluten in it. Um, So does wheat germ. So wheat germ is a common thing that they put in some cosmetics because wheat germ has B vitamins. It's supposed to be good for you. But yeah, just like, and maltodextrin. So if maltodextrin is in a cosmetic and it doesn't specifically say like maltodextrin from corn or potato, I don't get it because maltodextrin can be made from wheat. So um, those things are like the most common things that you'll see that they put in different cosmetics that that are a big no-no if you have celiac disease. Okay. Wow. A lot of work. Um, It is. (laughs) Well, speaking of a lot of uh, work, so you wrote a book. How long did that take? Um, so it, it, that's kind of a two-part story, but basically I started writing it on this software that I was using, but it had a really big learning curve. So I put it down and picked it back up again, but basically to write the whole book probably took me about four months of time. And, um, and I wrote it all for me, cause I'm a content writer. That's my profession. I have a really easy time coming up with ideas and stories and writing, which apparently I found out after becoming a writer was like not really common. And so I never sit down on the computer and not have an idea. I usually have more ideas than I can do it. And so, and so um, writing the book for me was actually, it was really fun. I loved it a lot. The, probably the worst part was just figuring out like the process of publishing and how to get it published and then book marketing and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I go through like all the things that I've learned from traveling, being gluten-free and like the the best tips I feel would help people like to navigate it safely without having to like worry too much about it. Because a lot of times it's really common for people with celiac disease or people who have dietary issues to have food anxiety because like you're sitting there eating that food, like wondering, is it going to make me sick? So there's that whole like emotional like aspect of it as well, which I talk about in the beginning of my book. But, but yeah, if you have, if you have any kind of gluten issues or even if it's not gluten, it's a dietary specialty, um, if you grab my book, it'll definitely help you with like planning ahead and preparing and like giving you really good tools just to make your vacation so much better. Oh, it sounds like it because you're so knowledgeable. What, um, where can we find your book? So if you go to travelglutenfreepodcast.com and you go to the book tab, it'll be right there. And um, you can also find information. You can also find it on Amazon. You can also find information on, oh my gosh, on uh, my Instagram, which is Travel Gluten Free Podcast. Okay, cool. You're on Instagram. That's great. Yeah, you, you're you just a trove of information for people who have this situation. I think it's great. When I my third son was born and I was nursing him, and he was just so fussy and so irritable all the time. And I started cutting out foods and then I started slowly adding them back in, but I figured out 
gluten was one of them. I wouldn't have been celiac that I'm aware of, but it was definitely gluten intolerance. And the nice thing was I lost all my baby weight in three months because I just was not able to eat anything fun. There was a lot of things I couldn't eat with him, but um, it made a difference in him. He was a lot happier as a baby. So, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, I, there, I just didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody else. I picked up a couple of books, tried a couple of recipes, but it's nice to have so much information from somebody right in one source that we can go to. And, and this is a unique topic that you're covering in particular. Now everybody's yeah. traveling again. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you mentioned nursing. I nurse both of my kids too. And my second daughter, my first daughter doesn't have any kind of food issues, but my second daughter who is celiac, I noticed that and she was horribly colic. She would like scream and cry until two o'clock in the morning. And I realized it was eggs and dairy with her. And so even now she has issues with dairy still, but yeah, I had to cut all eggs and dairy out of my diet and ice cream was a hard one for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. (laughs) It's hard. These kids. Yeah. Well, right? What do you do for your kids? <laughs> just to keep them alive and happy. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I would like to thank you for being on here. Is there any other tip you want to throw out there that you want to leave us with before we wrap up? Yeah. So one of my favorite tips for travel is um, if you are on Instagram or if you're not, that's okay. You can actually just search, use hashtags that search on Google. If you're traveling... Let's say you're going to like Austin, Texas. Um, if you look for the hashtag gluten-free Austin or gluten-free like and put whatever city you're going to on the end of it, you'll find every po- every social media post, if you do this on Google or whatever platform you're on, that is tagged with that hashtag. And that's a great way to find local places that might be really close to you where you are traveling. So definitely use hashtags a lot. That's one of my favorite things to do because it's also really fun because you get to discover new places and new food. That's really awesome. It's like a little secret code you all have with each other. That's really neat. Yes. <laughs> um, I like it. All right. Well, Alikity, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You have so much information and people are going to be traveling now. So they're going to want this and we will have your contact information and the links to your site and to um, your book as well. So people can find out and get in touch with you and get on your Instagram as well and follow you. And it sounds like they need to really be a part of this community. So thank you so much for getting this all going and sharing it with us today. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kim, for having me on today to share, to share and help people, other people who, ha- who are traveling with celiac disease. Yeah. I wish you all the best. Thank you.